Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the second live streamed service from Bundaberg Uniting Church in Queensland, Australia, as we discover and continue to enjoy new ways of being the church in the world and of hearing God's word to us amidst the coronavirus outbreak and all of the changes that that has brought into our lives. I mention Queensland, Australia because the last sermon video went a little bit further than we thought. And so wherever you are in the world, um, <clears throat> whether it be just around the corner here in Bundaberg or right around the globe, welcome to worship. And it is wonderful to be connected, to be joined together as we desire to hear God speaking to us in what is undoubtedly one of the most challenging times of our lives. And in these challenging times where our own worries, the media, social media, and so many things can dominate our thoughts, there is no more important moment for me to say to you, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. And if you're watching this with somebody else, take a moment and bless them with God's peace by saying the same thing to them. As this is being live streamed, we would love for you to interact with this message. We would love for you to hit the response buttons, the like button, the, uh, the love button, uh, make comments, ask questions, and we'll do our best to get through all of those uh, in the day and in the week that lies ahead. I know that last week they had a few issues with the feed lagging a little bit, and uh, some people lost sound or lost the picture feed for about five seconds. If you just hang on, it'll come back to you. And um, then you can go back and watch the recording, catch up on the, any parts that you might have missed. And we're also going to be putting these sermons onto YouTube a little bit later in the day so that those videos can be accessed for those who don't have Facebook. And the link is uh, in the video and also right on our webpage. Just if I could speak for a moment on the comments that came through last week, there was a bit of an online discussion when I had said that I didn't have to iron my smart pants. And I feel that I should clarify that that comment didn't mean that I wasn't wearing any pants. I promise that I'm wearing pants. Although I will tell you that there are quite a few people who said to me that you not wearing smart pants made them feel a lot better about attending church in their pajamas while lying in bed. So there you have it. Having cleared that up, may you know that wherever you are, whatever time of day it is for you, whether you're watching this live as many of the folk from Bundaberg Uniting Church are doing, or whether you're watching the recording, we are connected by God's Holy Spirit. The family of God is gathered. The church of God is meeting. And God's Spirit is moving. We are a worshiping community. And it's wonderful to be together and be part of that. Let us begin with a word of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you for the beauty of the connectedness that we enjoy together, for the technology that makes this possible. We thank you, Lord God, that you are above all things. You are above distance and you are above time. They hold no power for you and you rule over them. We thank you, Lord, for the joy of 
being able to meet in times of trouble, even if it is in a different way, in moments of uncertainty and of difficulty, you are there and we can rely on you. We can trust you. We can rest in your arms. We thank you, Lord, that when we say those words, the peace of the Lord be with you, it's not just a nice greeting or an old habit, but your peace is a reality. You bring peace into this world. You are the Prince of Peace. You bring peace into our lives, even in difficult moments. We thank you, Lord, that you are present and that you are all-powerful. We ask for forgiveness for those moments where we've doubted that, for times when we've forgotten you or not relied upon you. And we thank you, Lord God, that what you've done on the cross assures our forgiveness, past, present, and future, that your cross covers all. And today we run into those arms of grace and we rejoice in being connected with the God who forgives, who bears no grudges and doesn't even remember our sins. May you speak to us today through this service, we pray. May you be glorified as together we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, just before I do the readings for today's message, we've had a number of people ask about Holy Communion. Our Communion Sunday at Bundaberg, Church, Bundaberg Uniting Church is usually the first Sunday of the month, which is next week. And so to make this possible, I'll ask if you could get some bread during the week, some grape juice or wine or whatever your tradition is, even just water. I don't think that the substance matters too much to God. But we will share a different Holy Communion together next week. And uh, also coming in the week are some uh, videos for children and uh, some children's activities to go with the message. So watch the space. Next week is, in fact, Palm Sunday, and we'll be looking at our theme for Easter next week, starting that series. But we are currently, as I said last week, in an unprecedented time for the whole world. Never in any of our lifetimes has there been something that has so drastically changed the way we live. Many of you are currently in the middle of a complete shutdown or pretty much a shutdown or near, drawing near to a shutdown period. And with those changes comes massive consequences and huge implications for many people's lives. Many of those consequences are unknown at this point. The direction that they will lead, something of a mystery. And that brings fear and anxiety, worry, panic, uncertainty, heartbreak, and I'm sure you could add a whole host of emotions uh, to that list. So before we move into that Easter theme, I believe that God has hope and comfort and direction for us at this time. Last week, we looked at what does God say to us 
in all of the situation that we are facing. We looked at Psalm 46. We looked at Acts chapter 11. And we saw that God says, I am present. I am powerful. You have potential. And be passionate about being the church. Following on from that today, we're going to look at not what God says, but what can we do? The words of God are, are powerful. The words of God are wonderful. But when you've lost your job, when you've lost your pension, or if you're ill with the virus itself, or, or whatever situation you are in today, how do we actually put in place those words of God? As we sit at home, not knowing what's coming, what is it that we must do? And so the comfort of those words, the hope of what God has given to us, what do we do to make that a reality for each one of us? Here are the readings. As I said in the earlier video, the first reading is from Proverbs chapter 3. I'm reading from verse 1 to 12 and then 21 to 29. And I'm reading from Eugene Peterson's interpretation of that scripture called The Message. If you want to have a look at it in an authorized version, please do so uh, after the video. You can pick it up on BibleGateway.com. Good friends, don't forget all that I've taught you. Take to heart my commands. They'll, they'll help you live a long, long time. A long life lived full and well. Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck. Carve their initials in your heart. Earn a reputation for a living well in God's eyes and in the eyes of the people. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know, that it, know it all. Run to God and run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under His loving correction. It's the child He loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all of this. And then from verse 21, Dear friend, God clear thinking and common sense in your life. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. They'll keep you fit and, into, and attractive. You'll travel safely. You'll neither tire nor trip. You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or prediction that doomsday is just around the corner because God will be right there for you. He'll keep you safe and sound. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money is right there in your pocket. Don't figure ways of taking advantage of your neighbor when he's sitting there trusting 
and unsuspecting. And then the well-known passage from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. And in many scriptures, this passage is entitled, Do Not Worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed as one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as we gather together this morning, we know that you will speak into each of our lives. We gather because we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your words. And so we pray that as the message is preached, as the words are spoken from my mouth before it reaches our ears, would we each hear exactly what you need us to hear? Something challenging, something comforting, something that moves us to action, something that grows us in our faithfulness, something, Lord, in which we are certain beyond any shadow of a doubt that we have heard from you. So, Holy Spirit, speak, we pray. We, your children, are listening. Amen. It is amazing how the human mind works. Very often, in the worst of circumstances, we turn to humor to help us cope. We laugh about things, and so many people um, are busy sitting at home in this shutdown and have a lot of time on their hands. And what they're doing with that time is going onto the internet and finding jokes and memes and, and making funny things about uh, the difficulties that are, there are being locked down with your children and with your family. A couple of days ago, I saw a video of a lady having a work meeting over Zoom, which is a kind of a conference sharing app. There were five or six other people from work on her screen looking at her sitting there with her, with her headphones on, it was obviously a very serious meeting, but all of that changed in an instant as her husband wandered into the background in nothing but his underpants, heading off to the bathroom. Of course, he realized halfway through his slow motion walk exactly what was happening, 
And in an attempt to get out of the screen quickly, he, um, he took a giant leap into the bathroom, not realizing that the door was closed. Uh, and he hit the door. The door won the battle. He bounced back straight into the picture, uh, legs in the air, everything on full view for the wife's meeting. Dignity gone right out of the window. I saw a picture of somebody, uh, someone's driveway, and written on it in huge chalk letters were the words, Help me. Save me from my children. And then just the other day, I was on a conference call with three other people. And there was no video, fortunately, because halfway through the conference call, one of the guy's voice became a little bit more echoey. And then there was another strange noise. And I thought to myself, either he's moved into a small cave with a waterfall, or he's gone into the bathroom while on this conference phone call. I called him out on it. I told him that I'd be using his story in my sermon, and that if he didn't want his name mentioned, he could leave two rolls of toilet paper outside my front door by noon that day. We use humor to deal with serious issues. Because somehow, if we can laugh at something, then in some small way we seem to rob it of its power. But it isn't too long before that reality comes back. And we realize that we actually have to deal with the hardship of what's happening. This past week, despite the jokes, it's been no laughing matter in the lives of, of most Australians. Thousands upon thousands, ten thousands of people have lost their jobs, their pensions, their security, their income. Years of faithfully saving have been wiped out in an instant. I had to go to Centrelink this week to sort out a Medicare issue, and the staff couldn't have been more friendly and more kind to me and to those people around me. But even though you're not listening to the conversations, it was impossible not to hear the tears, not to hear the pain and the worry and the hopelessness as they enter into the social welfare offices. And it's not just work and financial things. Dreams of good and wonderful things have also been shattered. Weddings have been canceled. Funerals have happened where not even the whole family can attend cannot say goodbye to their loved one. Long-planned holidays are not happening anymore. Visits have been put off indefinitely. Grandparents can no longer see their grandchildren because at their age, they're the vulnerable ones and, and children can be carriers so easily. Special things looked forward to, family visits, all of these moments just gone. What do we do to be faithful to God in a time like this? What do we do to find hope? What do we do in the midst of all of these difficulties to find comfort? We may hear God saying the things that we looked at last week. What do we actually do to deal with that hurt and disappointment? The worry, the brokenness, the fear of the future. How do we face uncertain days? We know what God says. What do we do? Scripture from Proverbs 3, particularly verse 5 and 6, is 
probably one of the very first scriptures I remember learning um, off my heart as a child. I learned this version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on what you think you know. In everything you do, seek God's will and He will direct your path. It's a very popular verse of Scripture. But when you couple it with the, the uh, reading from Matthew, which says, do not worry, you get the first physical action that we've got to take in gaining comfort and strength through the presence of God. And that action is to let go. It's to let go. Let go of that which we cannot control. And immediately, if you are anything like me, you would start objecting. And you would start to say, I can't let this go. This is my reality. This is dominating. It has, has altered the landscape of my life. These are the things that I'm facing. And that may be so. But in this situation, much of the reality that we are facing is out of our control. We cannot change the rules about weddings and how many can attend funerals. We cannot fix the borders to make family gatherings possible. We cannot work a magic wand over the economy. We cannot make our boss not let us go. But what tends to happen is that when we worry about these things, we keep them front and center of our minds. We dwell on them night and day. We go down the roads of what if this and what if that and maybe this and maybe that. And we fool ourselves into thinking that by dwelling on it, we have some control. By letting it dominate our minds, we somehow are controlling it. The control that we thought we had was an illusion to begin with. What's happening in this moment is that the truth of how little we control is actually becoming apparent to us. We live life as if we control everything. And in this moment, we're realizing we don't really control many things at all. We need to let go of the things that we cannot control. Jesus says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to their lives? Don't rely on what you think you know. There's a letter doing the rounds on the internet. It's reportedly from a teacher in China just coming out of their, I think, seven weeks of shutdown. And um, she's writing a reflection to those who are only entering into their shutdown. Her very first point in reflecting is this. Accept that you have no control over the situation. Let go of any thoughts of trying to plan too much for the next month or two or three. Things change so fast. Don't be angry and annoyed at the system. If you accept that you cannot control this, anxiety goes down and you start to make the most of the situation. If you accept that this is what it is, then things begin to get a little easier. Letting go of that which we can't control is one of the most liberating things that we can do. Yes, things have gone pear-shaped, but for the vast majority of those things, we're just hanging on for the ride. We're strapped in and holding on. It's all we can do. 
We have no ability to influence the major events. Do not, therefore, says Jesus, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. I want to say, though, that this is not a fatalistic approach by any means. It's simply the first thing we need to do to gain comfort and peace from God in these moments, letting go of what we couldn't control. But we can redirect that control onto things that we do have the ability to influence. Things like how much media and social media we consume during this time. How much negativity we're willing to take in. How anxious we allow ourselves to get. We may not be able to control the big picture, but we can control what goes on in our homes. What goes on in our minds. We can control where our focus is. We control the positive and the negative attitudes that we allow to prevail. When we can't control what's happening, we need to be able to let it go and instead control the way we respond to these things. So the first thing is to let go of that which we can't control. But if we let go of one thing, we need to hold on to another. And this is where we learn to trust. That all-important first line of verse 5 from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let go of that which you cannot control, but hold on to God and trust Him in these moments. Very often we get this the wrong way around. We let go of God and we hold on to the things that we cannot change. Let go of those things, but hold on to God. Last week we spoke about God's presence and power and how wonderful those two things are and how much it means for us to hear God say this to us in times of trouble. But the presence and power of God don't mean anything if we don't trust that this is what will pull us through. When we don't know what's going to happen, when there's uncertainty about what the next day or the next week or the next month is going to bring, when we wonder about if we will ever have the strength to make it through the darkness, it is then that we have to hold most tightly onto God, to trust with all our hearts that He will give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the energy, give us the ability, give us the wisdom to get through those difficult times. And as we hold on to God, as we trust in Him, we discover that the strength He gives comes at just the right time and in just the right doses when we need it. Yesterday marked three years since we left South Africa for Bundaberg. We flew out on the 20th, 28th of March 2017 for what, was, for what was ultimately to be almost two days, 48 hours of being in transit. We went from Durban to Dubai, from Dubai to Brisbane. We got delayed overnight in Brisbane because of a cyclone that was ironically named Cyclone Debbie. Um, and then we had to pick up all of our bags out of the airport to go to a hotel, get into a taxi, head all the way over there, um, stay in the hotel overnight in Brisbane, get into taxis all the way back again. You can understand how difficult that trip would have been. Aside from all the emotional stress and the goodbyes and the unknowns, 
We had three relatively young kids who would have to navigate a fairly nerve-wracking trip. They had no control over it. They wouldn't have known an airport gate from a front yard gate, and they would have been frightened to death if I had set them down at the beginning of the trip. I mean, can you imagine this? If I had set them down at the start and said, right, the three of you, here's each of your passports. You're going to have to hold on to that and make sure you don't lose it. Here's your ticket for the first flight, the second flight, the third flight, for the taxi cabs and back to the airport again. Don't lose any of those tickets. <clears throat> when we get to the airport at Durban, go see the check-in lady. Once you've seen her, find your way to gate three in terminal two. Get onto seat 24B in the plane. When you land, go through customs in Dubai. Imagine I had sat down at the beginning of the trip and gone through all of those things with them. Would have killed them. Instead, like any parent, you simply say, we're going now. Hold my hand. Let's go. I may not be controlling every aspect of this trip, but every step of the way, I'll show you where to go. I'll tell you what to do and when to do it. I'll give you the ticket at just the right time. At each point, just stick with me. Trust me. Don't rely on what you think you know about this journey. Just hold on to me and I will direct you. I'll tell you what to do. I'll show you where to go. And they did. At each point of the journey when we needed a, to find a specific numbered airplane seat or a, a right terminal to go through customs or whatever it was or if there was a problem with the ticket or a gate change, they would look to me and to Debbie. What now, Dad? We'll follow you. When we hold on to God, when we trust God with all of our hearts, we are doing just that. We are not saying that God will magically make the journey disappear, but rather that he will give us the strength we need at the exact time that we need it. He will show us the direction to go at the exact moment when we get to the fork in the road. To hold on to God is to know that he knows our needs and he will give us the ability to meet them at exactly the time we need it. At the time of that trip, I shared a picture on Facebook of us in the hotel in Brisbane after making all the long trips over, getting to Brisbane and, and finding that we were delayed, getting the bags, getting to the hotel. It had been a long trip. Cyclone Debbie had delayed us. We were going to be overnighting in, uh, in a hotel in Brisbane. We were so tired and the kids were absolutely shattered. The rooms in the hotel, though, weren't actually ready for us. And so we get into the lobby of the hotel. The kids and Debbie make straight for the, the, um, the lounges that are over there. They get onto the couches, and all four of them fall asleep. It was a busy hotel, people going in and out. The bags were on two massive trolleys nearby. They shouldn't have been asleep. They should have been watching the bags and waiting for the, the concierge to tell us that the rooms were ready and then helping me get the bags up to the, bed, to, the, to the rooms, the suites. Instead, they all went to sleep. And they knew that dad won't go to sleep, dad will be awake. That's okay, he's got this. 
He'll let us know when to wake up and he'll tell us what to do next. And I watched them sleeping peacefully there in the lobby. I did what any dad would do. I took a photograph and then I watched over the bags and I watched over them and I waited until the rooms were ready. And it only struck me much later on that this is exactly what it means to hold on to God. To not want to know what you're going to have to do at every turn before the journey has even begun. It will scare us. But to begin to know that he'll give us what's needed when it is needed. That's what it means to trust him with all our hearts and not rely on our own understandings. That's what it means to let him direct our paths. It's no coincidence that the writer of the Proverbs likens trusting exactly to taking a trip. Dear friend, God clear thinking and common sense with your life. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. You will travel safely. You will neither tire nor trip. You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe. He'll keep you sound. What do we do in these difficult times of uncertainty? We let go of what we cannot control and we hold on to God and trust Him with all of our hearts. And lastly, what else do we do in these moments well, we need to be doing good, doing good works for other people, being the hands of God in these moments. Because as we begin to do these acts, we bring others into God's presence. It lifts us out of our own world. It opens our eyes to see the kingdom of God beginning to break through into the situation that we're facing. It breaks through into our lives. It breaks through into the, in, into the context that we're living when we simply do good for others. Eugene Peterson uh, says in his translation or his interpretation, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When I spoke last week of the potential and the passion, it was wonderful. But to do good, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is to proactively find our connection with God. And in so doing, cultivate the desire to bring that potential to reality with passion. It's to actually do the things that ignite the flames of a passionate church in this world. It's to do things that will see the kingdom breaking through and then to desire to do them again and to do them more. Where little children are putting toilet rolls outside the front doors of the elderly, that's the kingdom of God breaking through. When I watch the news and see volunteers changing and packing meals and then you notice that there's a logo on their shirts and it's, it's a church logo, that's the kingdom of God breaking through. <clears throat> when our volunteers at Andy's place continue and, and change the way they do things in order to keep feeding the, the, uh, those who are, are desperately hungry, that's the kingdom of God breaking through. When the Centrelink lady is seen quietly saying a prayer before the next person sits down at her desk, there is the kingdom of God. If you got our notices this week, you would have seen that we've offered as a church 
to those who are elderly or in mandatory isolation, if they need someone to do a grocery or medicine run because it's too risky for them to be out, then we'll get out and do that for them. We need helpers to do that, and that is the kingdom of God. That phone call you make, the message that you send, the prayer that you pray, that's the kingdom because each of those actions remove the focus from ourselves. They remove the focus from the immediate things that we cannot change. And they open our eyes to the way that God is using us to bring his love into other people's lives. To let his beauty shine through in the difficult days that we face. Peterson says, Be there for those who need your help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time, or try me tomorrow. Your hand is God's hand for that person. When we actively do good and seek his kingdom and his righteousness, it's amazing how our focus shifts from our own sense of worry to the goodness and the grace, the beauty and the kingdom of God. And that can never be locked down in one place. I don't doubt that the events of this week have been some of the most difficult and heartbreaking that we will ever have to endure. Last week we heard the comforting words that God says to us. This week we need to follow the comforting instructions God gives to us. Let go of that which you cannot control. Hold on to God and place trust in Him. And do good to others, for that ushers in the kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you alone know the situations that each of us are facing because of the coronavirus. You know the pain, you know the difficulties, you know the complexities. And you know too, Lord God, that there are many moments when we have sat worrying about things that we can't control. Lord, you speak words of comfort to us. We heard them last week. Today we hear your instructions. Give each of us the strength we need at this point of the journey to do what we need to do to find your hope, to find your peace, to enjoy the, the knowledge of your comfort and, and to almost physically feel the hands of Christ holding us tight. This is our prayer. In your name, amen. Friends, I, each Sunday, I said last week, each Sunday we will dedicate the offering and as we do that this morning, I want to just say a tremendous thank you to each of you because the response to moving into online giving has been fantastic. The response of people who have made special trips to come to the office to drop in an offering um, for us because they're not an in internet banking, that has been fantastic as well. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for continuing to worship God in this way. 
and I would encourage that to continue. If you need to know the details, please check out the link uh, in the video or uh, there is the link, uh, a link to uh, our bank details on our webpage as well and you can do that as well as coming into the office and still uh, dropping them off for as long as uh, the office is allowed to remain open. The details are, as I say, in the link and on the web page. Shall we bring those offerings that have been given to God, uh, we come to dedicate them to Him. Let us pray. We will also bring it to God at this time, our prayers of intercession. Lord Jesus, we worship you not only with, with the things we hear and the words we can say or sing. We worship you not only in a building, but we worship you with the gifts we give. And we thank you, Lord God, that even in these moments, we find it a privilege and a blessing to be able to give to you these gifts of money those given in at the office, those deposited directly into the church account. They are offerings of our worship. They are a sign of our commitment to love and to cherish you. And they are a way in which we can say, Lord, that everything we have is for your use, for your glory, and for your honor. So take them, we pray. Bless them and use them to be a blessing to others in empowering this church to continue bringing your kingdom into this community. Lord God, at this time, we also pray for those who have lost their jobs, for those, Lord, who are facing financial troubles, for those who are retiring just at this moment and have found their, their plans have been, have been radically altered. We pray for those, Lord, who have gone through the pain of of not being able to say goodbye to a loved one, those who have had to postpone what was to be the happiest day of their life in, in their wedding day. We pray for, for each of us in the different things that uh, this time has caused us to go through, and we commit them to you. We pray, Lord, that we may know the comfort of which we have heard this morning in each of our lives. And that those who don't know that will come to know it through our actions. We pray, Lord, for those who are suffering with the coronavirus illness, who have been infected. We pray specifically, Lord, for the doctors and the nurses and the medical staff who really are on the front line and placing themselves at risk in order to, to save others. Bless them. And may they know that they are prayed for and may they be filled with your strength. We pray for the scientists who are working on a vaccine and pray that that may come quicker than anybody thinks. We pray that the infection rate would slow, that people would listen to the instructions of governments. And we pray for our governments as they lead. In many ways, Lord, there are, there are no easy choices for them. Give them wisdom. Give us understanding. We commit this to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us this morning. It's been wonderful to share with you in worship. 
And I trust that as we continue down this path, you will find fulfillment and hope and joy in connecting with us here at Bundaberg Uniting Church as we hear the voice of God speaking to us. May you be blessed. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and those whom we love this day and forevermore. Amen.